Thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoyed this message from our midweek service. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoyed this message. Well, it's good to see all of you here. I want to pray before I begin, and then I want to share this word with you. Very simple word, but we're going to be reading quite a few scriptures because I want to really bring out the word of God for you this evening so that you can see the truth that's being presented here very clearly. So every head bowed, every eyes closed, let's just ask the Lord to bless this tonight and ask him to open your heart that you might receive from his word. So Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we bless your name. And Father, we pray that you would begin to open the hearts of your people, cause us to hear with clarity, help me to deliver this message in the way that you want it delivered. And I pray, Father, you would get all the glory out of everything that happens here tonight. We thank you for your presence, Jesus. And everyone who agreed said, The pace of your life determines your ability and capacity to obey God. I want you to really consider this now. The pace of your life determines your capacity to obey God. It's very difficult to be a good Christian when you're living life at a rushed pace. It's very difficult to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit when you're living life at a rushed pace. I remember there was this one instance where a uh, pastor, a fellow, a fellow evangelist, I should say. Well, technically, we all fall under the same category, but um, he was an evangelist. And he was texting me, complaining, rightfully so, about this one pastor he had ministered for. And that pastor, I think, had him for like a whole month and gave him like an evening's offering worth. Now, for many evangelists, um, I thank God that I don't have to speak all that often anymore to, to, you know, pay the bills. But for many evangelists, when they go speak somewhere, that's their only source of income. That is their, you know, their place of resource. So this pastor friend of mine goes and he's ministering. This is his only source uh, as far as income goes, his preaching place. He goes there, he preaches for about a month. And I believe the pastor gave him just like, I think it was like 1500 bucks. You try living off of $1,500 for a whole month. Not to mention uh, he had to pay for his own airfare on hotel. And some of his meals while he's out there. So, Steve, you, you, you've seen what that's like. You've seen some of our buddies uh, suffer through that. So he sends me this text, and he's just kind of venting to me, not gossiping, just kind of saying, like, hey, I, I need some help I'm dealing with this issue here. And, you know, we were kind of joking, oh, there was no honor in that honorarium <laughs> or no love in that love offering. And uh, we just call it an offering, not a love offering. It was a, it was a we kind of like you offering. Uh, but uh, so we're joking back and forth. And I remember I was sending this text. I thought it was really funny. Um, but but it, w- it, was, it was a joke about the pastor who he had gone for in, in regards to the pastor, you know, not being very generous at all. And, you know, this pastor had a reputation for that. And I was just kind of speaking to that. I wasn't dishonoring this man necessarily. I wasn't. I mean, had the pastor ever read my text, it wouldn't have destroyed our friendship. We would have been just fine. He would have probably been a little bothered at it. But then we would have moved on from it. You know, we're all friends in this thing anyway. But uh, as I was sending the text, there was, this, there was this split second, this little instant where, where I had realized that 
And as people are coming in, let's no longer sit them on the front. If they're going to come in, just kind of sit them back there, please, Enrique, because it, it, it does get distracting when they walk down the aisle. Um, so I remember this, um, I'm sending this text, and there was this very subtle, very, um, very quiet, I should just say knowing, don't send the text. And I was doing it so quickly, I thought, no, this is funny. I pushed, I pushed send before I even had, uh, had a moment to consider that pause, before I even had a moment to consider that subtle, hey, don't send that text. And, you know, now, now you know, they say you got to think before you speak. You especially have to think before you text because many of us have a record of all the things we regret we said, and it's right there in front of us. So as soon as I sent it, I realized that was the Holy Spirit. And I, I just had done it so quickly. I thought it was funny. It was a funny joke. It really was. But, 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 but in all reality, it was dishonoring to that man. And it was contributing to the bitterness in the heart of the individual who I was texting. So it was, it was siding with them just slightly. And again, this wasn't, this wasn't malicious. It wasn't mean-spirited. It wasn't just some horrible thing I said. It, just very, it was playful banter back and forth. But as soon as I sent it, I was convicted and I knew that I should not have sent it. And so many of us go through our lives and we have these things that come up before us in our everyday living, these moments that we recognize that there is this slight hesitation or a little whisper or a slight pull on your heart, something telling you don't do that or go there or don't say that. And just before you really consider the words don't say that, you've already said the thing that hurt her feelings or his feelings and, and it's just too late, you've done what you've done and the Holy Spirit wasn't obeyed. So the pace of your life determines your capacity to obey the Holy Spirit. Sensitivity to the voice of the Holy Spirit is not just about how clearly you can hear Him, but about how quickly you obey that which you have heard. It's one thing to be able to hear Him clearly, and some of us say, oh, God's talking to me all the time. He's probably talking to you all the time because you're not listening. As far as what I've experienced, God doesn't speak all day, every day. He speaks through his word, yes. He gives us wisdom to navigate everyday life, yes. He, we have this, this general spiritual pool on our lives that guides us through our everyday living. But as far as God opening up the heavens and speaking directly to you, that I, I can honestly count maybe on one hand the times that I've experienced that type of voice that came from, from God that you knew that you knew that you knew. I'm, of course, not talking about the prophetic or things like that. But, but a lot of people, they have these life-changing things they hear from God every, like, two months. And I'm thinking, God doesn't really change his mind all that often. And what's happening here in the individual is they're being given to the waves of emotion. They're, 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 they're being tossed with the wind. They're giving way to the flesh. They're giving way to the demands of life. And they're never really slowing down enough to really pause and say, what's the Holy Spirit speaking to me? Many of you, God has spoken to you, and there is this, this, this overriding sense of something's off, and you haven't slowed down enough really to give that any time or consideration. Something's off, but you're just moving so fast. you got things to do. you got to go to work. you got to take care of the kids. You have to manage your ministry, and you're going through these things, and you've never really stopped and allowed yourself to sense, what is that thing that's kind of off right now? And the Holy Spirit is constantly speaking to you. The Holy Spirit is constantly whispering to your heart. The Holy Spirit is trying to guide you, trying to nudge you along the correct path. Yet all the while, we're just 
going straight ahead, full speed, not stopping. I got to reach that goal. I got to reach that place. I got to finish that project. I got to accomplish this task. And we're ignoring the voice of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 15, verse 26, Jesus says, But I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. You notice here the Holy Spirit is called He. He's a person. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 6-8, to the scripture says, And Jesus Christ was revealed as God's Son by His baptism in water and by shedding His blood on the cross, not by water only, but by water and blood. And the Spirit, who is truth, confirms it with His testimony. So we have these three witnesses, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and all three agree. So the Holy Spirit is called a who, not a what. He's called a he, not an it. And I think it's interesting to me, it is interesting to me, that we often hear things, and we hear them so often that they lose their power. So I could say to you, the Holy Spirit is not a thing, he's a person. And most of you would say, amen, I agree, yes, that's right, and there's just this affirmation you give to that statement, but how many of you ever really stopped to consider that the Holy Spirit really is a person, a presence that abides with you day in and day out, a presence that goes with you, doing what you do, hearing what you say? He's along for the ride, whatever it is that you do, wherever it is that you go. You take the presence of the Holy Spirit with you. I'm not, I'm not experiencing a visitation of the Holy Spirit. I am a habitation of the Holy Spirit. I'm not looking for an atmosphere. I am an atmosphere. When I go somewhere, the Holy Spirit goes with me. My question to you is, are you taking him places he doesn't want to go? Are you causing him to witness things that he doesn't want to see? Is he hearing conversations that break his heart? He is a person, not a thing. Now the scripture makes distinctions between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One of my favorite um, mentions of this, or examples of this, I should say, is in Matthew chapter 3, beginning at verse 16. The scripture says, After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, after who was baptized, church? Who? Jesus. Okay. So after Jesus, he came up out of the water. The heavens were open and they saw the spirit of God descending on him like a dove and it settled on him. And then you hear the voice of the father speaking. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So right there in that first portion of scripture, right there at the beginning of the gospel, right there at the beginning of the New Testament, we see the father, the son and the Holy Spirit, each one equally divine, but distinct from the other. People ask about the doctrine of the Trinity, and I find it funny that there's debates on both sides. The people who focus on the fact that God is three persons will get upset when I say that Jesus and the Holy Spirit are one, or that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. The people who are on the oneness side or emphasize the oneness nature of God, they get upset if you mention that they're distinct from one another, but it's both. And I don't have time to get into all of it. There's a whole teaching I did on, on reconciling this. But, but for the sake of time, I'll just say this to you. They are three persons and one God. It's, it's a fact. It's a, it's a reality. It's not, it's not against logic. I, the the scripture is actually very, very clear on how this can be. And it's not even really that mysterious. I know theologians like to pretend it is because they can sell a lot of books on it. But, but, but the truth is it's a very simple explanation. Uh, but again, we'll go into that uh, some other time. And in fact... 
well, a little plug for my YouTube channel. I have a, a, a teaching called Understanding the Trinity. It's about 30 minutes, and I actually received the explanation from someone else, and I thought he gave the best explanation for the Trinity I've ever heard. But continuing now, we see that the Holy Spirit distinct, the Father distinct, the Son distinct. Where is the Father? Come on, somebody, where is the Father? Don't be afraid. I'm, 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 no one can else hear, hear you. It's just me. Where is the Father? Okay, heaven. Where is Jesus? He's seated at his. So who's the one who's here with us? It's the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the one who was sent and is with us. In fact, the Holy Spirit is the omnipresence of God. So some would ask, well, why is he called the Holy Spirit? There's like this new trend in the hippie Christian circles uh, where they call the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. They say, Holy Spirit is speaking to me. And I'm thinking, you know, he's the Holy Spirit. That's not the direct address. Um, but, but we call him the Holy Spirit because nobody actually knows his name. It's not in the Bible. His name is not the Holy Spirit. That's his title. But what's interesting is that he is mentioned separately from the Father and the Son. So it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, each distinct from one another, all equally divine. The Holy Spirit has a will. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11, the Scripture says, But all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. It's the Holy Spirit alone who decides upon who gets what spiritual gifts. And the Holy Spirit does this based upon his will. That's one of his roles in the church. The Holy Spirit can speak. Acts chapter 8, verse 29. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. It's not very spiritual of an instruction, but he gave it to him and it produced a spiritual result. The Holy Spirit has a voice. The Holy Spirit has a will. The Holy Spirit is referred to as the Lord in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. The Bible says, now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. The Holy Spirit is referred to as the spirit of Jesus in Acts chapter 16, verse 7. The Holy Spirit is omniscient. Watch this. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Go there now. 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning at verse number 10. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning at verse number 10, but it was to us that God revealed these things by His Spirit. For His Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit, and no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit searches out everything, including the mind of God. Think about what's in the mind of God. God, knowing everything at all times, fully aware of his will, fully aware of his plans, fully aware of his agenda for these ages, fully aware of how he formed all things. The mind of God, the power of God, the nature of God, the will of God, Everything about God fully comprehended by the Holy Spirit. Everything about everything fully comprehended by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is omniscient. In Psalm chapter 139, verse 7, the Bible says, I can never escape from your spirit. The Holy Spirit is omnipresent. So the Holy Spirit is omniscient. 
the Holy Spirit is omnipresent. And in Luke chapter 1, verse 35, the scripture tells us that the angel told Mary that when the power of the Most High comes upon her, she'll be with child of the Holy Spirit. In other words, the power of the Holy Spirit is the very same as the power of the Most High. So the power of the Holy Spirit is the same divine power that the Father works under. So the Holy Spirit is omniscient. He's omnipresent and he's omnipotent. Church, the Holy Spirit is God. And you mustn't be afraid to talk to him. It's okay to address the Holy Spirit. It's okay to talk to the Holy Spirit. In fact, and this is a very basic thing I'm showing you, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, the Bible says this. I want everyone to see this. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. It's one verse, but everyone, I want you to see this. If you have the Bible app, I really recommend getting a Bible app. Because then we can just jump around verses together. I'm cheating. It's all on one, one uh, page for me. I already copied and pasted all the verses. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. This is one of my favorite portions of Scripture. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. What's interesting to me there is that it doesn't say the fellowship of the Father. It doesn't say the fellowship of the Son. The Scripture tells us that we are to walk in the fellowship with the Holy Spirit. That's communion with the Holy Spirit. That's friendship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God with you. The Holy Spirit is God in you. The Holy Spirit is the one who walks with you on a day-to-day basis, on a moment-by-moment basis. The Holy Spirit is the one who's with you, reminding you of not doing those things, reminding you to not say that, reminding you of who you are, reminding you of the truth of the Scripture that you heard. He's reminding you of how to walk in the power of God. He's reminding you to pray. He's reminding you to get into the Bible. He's reminding you during the songs to forget about your troubles, lift your hands, and lift up the name of Jesus. He's the one reminding you that you have a responsibility for ministry. He's the one reminding you to witness to your unsaved loved ones. He's the one reminding you to have patience with your family. He's the one who walks with you. He's your everyday help, ever abiding, never leaving you, faithful when you're sinful, and he's persistent when you're stubborn. He's understanding when you're chaotic, and he is always there. That's the Holy Spirit. Of course, we could go on about the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is the one who's right there with you. He's that presence that is right before your face. He's not far from any one of us. He's he's not at a distance. He's in you. He's a whisper away. It doesn't matter how far you think you've gone. A single moment of repentance can bring you all the way home and cover the entire distance that you thought you've gone. The Holy Spirit is with you. That's the friend. That's the abiding presence. I can't tell you how many times I've sensed him with me as I've traveled, sensed him with me as I carry on with my day. I was at a gas station. I don't even think I told you this. I was at a gas station, and the, the Holy Spirit right there with me. I'm, 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 I, w- I just got done ministering. I was tired. I wanted to go home. I didn't feel like praying for anybody else. I'm just being honest with you. And so I, I'm there, and, and sometimes those lines afterwards, I kid you not, uh, they could go for two or three hours after the service is dismissed. That's how hungry people can get for the power of God. But, but I'm, I'm, I'm at a gas station. I'm, I'm like, I like punched out, like, Lord, I'm done. I, I, I'll be a Christian, but I'm done being an evangelist for tonight. And, and so I'm, I'm pumping gas, and I look at this man who honestly was a little 
terrifying to me. Like, he, like he's the type of guy where I go on the other side of the car, make sure, keeping my eye on him, making sure he's not going to do anything to me, thinking, the Holy Spirit tells me, go up to that man. I said, but he could have a gun. I said that to the Holy Spirit. He's like, he could have a gun. Holy Spirit said, go to that man. Tell him he's having an issue in his right leg. He's got an injury in his right leg. And, he, and the Holy Spirit told me he's running from family members who want to kill him. I said, okay. So I, I finished pumping gas. And I said, sir. And he did one of those, like, what's up? What's up? I'm like, you know, one of those that you, you, you gangster people are always doing. I don't know, like, what, whatever he was doing. I don't even know how to do it. And so he, he does one of those. You know, he, he's real, like. I'm thinking, like, dude, I'm not that threatening. You, you can, like, relax. <laughs> and I said, God told me something about you. And he drops a certain word and starts running. So I chased after him. <laughs> I said, sir, get back here. God wants to talk to you. Now, you got to picture this, me chasing some, like, gangster-looking dude. <laughs> and, like, like, he could have beat me up for sure. I said, stop, stop. And, and he's limping. I go, oh, that's his right leg. I said, sir, there's an injury in your right leg. Come here. God wants to talk to you. You've been running for too long. He, he turns around. By the time, he's, he's, tears are already coming down his face. I said, give me your hands. He grabs my hands, and then when we touch hands, he jolts back like this. He drops another certain word. He says, oh, blank. I said, yes, sir, I promise this is real. And I said... I said, and he's healing, your, he's healing your leg, your right leg. There's an issue with your right leg. God's healing that right now. He starts doing this, and he drops another certain word, and he can't believe God's healing him. And then I told him, you're running from your family. They're trying to kill you. And he just, he was, he was in absolute shock. He gave his heart to the Lord, got saved that very night. But, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, you know, I don't, that doesn't always happen. That's not like an everyday occurrence in my life. I'm not chasing thugs down at gas stations. <laughs> but, but the truth is, the Holy Spirit, the reason that could happen is because the Holy Spirit's there with me. You know, when the Holy Spirit speaks, um, he doesn't give you like an, an astrology reading or some like vague description. I, I've seen some people try to do the whole prophecy thing. <laughs> And, and it's just, they do it without the Holy Spirit, and it really is just like a description of your character, your personality trait. It's all emotionalism. But when you have the Holy Spirit, he'll actually tell you things about people's lives, things that you wouldn't know otherwise. Like if I, if I, I, I could say to the whole front row, I'm just, can I just be real with you guys here? I go to this whole front row and say, you're in a season right now where you've been wondering where God is, and it's been a tough three months. That like applies to the whole row. And I could say it to anyone. Did that apply to you? Okay, but that wasn't God. I'm just saying it because it's just something people say. I'm telling you, people can do that. And then they, they verify themselves because they got some, some supposed gift. But what I'm saying to you, the reason I'm saying this is because I, I'm not after the fake. I'm after the real. You, if you really have it, you don't have to go around saying to people, I have this, I have this, I have this, I have this. People just see it on you naturally. If you truly have it, then, then God will anoint you for it. If you truly have it, you'll see the results. You truly have it, that'll be where God raises you. God's not going to raise you above where your gifting is, but if you want to walk in it, it's available. One of the, the people who freaks me out the most, Mr. Lenny Gonzalez. You're scary prophetic, man. 
No, I mean it. Like, don't, don't prophesy over me. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. But, but he, he like, like, had you seen him? He just, he's just, he just another person in the church that people think, oh, you know, they're dismissive. But, but I'm telling you, I've seen him with the prophetic gift. There are people here I know. And I'm not going to name everybody, but, but it's just, he's it, just someone who knows the Holy Spirit. I, I've seen it time and time again. Your, your sister, your wife, Pastor Isaac, Lizzie, she, she's just, that, that girl has some real discernment. Like, again, scary discernment. I think one time, you, you and her, she, she texts you through me, or texts me through you, about some dreams she had. You, neither of you knew I was writing on spiritual warfare, and I was experiencing all the things she dreamt about. But these are people who what? Walk with the Holy Spirit. Recognize that he's a person. You can, you can go to lunch and, and have the Holy Spirit show up. You can, you can be in your car and have the Holy Spirit show up. I had a, a staff member... Um, he came to ride with me in the car from, we were just leaving, this is when we filmed here, and we were leaving here, it was late at night, I think we were all going to Lazy Dog, of course, and, and so we're all driving there, he jumps in my car, he says, hey, I just want to ride with you, get to know you, I'm like, okay, that's fine, he, he just joined the staff, and he, he wanted to kind of get a conversation going, uh, and so he just said, he said, what kind of worship music do you listen to, and I I said, oh, I started showing him, and then you'd be surprised what kind of worship music I listen to, or maybe you wouldn't, I don't know. It's mostly instrumental, it's a lot of the old and new stuff, just, I like to find songs with the presence on it, not every song has that. I like to find the ones that have the presence on them, and so I just have instrumentals like that so I can sing to God, and I'm just start, I just start singing to the Lord, I, I kind of forgot that he was there, and he just breaks down, starts shaking and crying in the car. And I look at him, I'm like, what's, like, what's the matter, man? Like, are you okay? He goes, and he, he can't even talk. He's like, I'm sorry. He's like, you, when you started singing to God, I felt him come into the car. And sometimes you carry that and you don't even realize it. See, I didn't even know that the, he was feeling this. It's because I walk with him. It's because he's there with me. It's because he's my friend. It's because he's with me on a day-to-day basis. But the problem is some of us live such fast-paced lives that we give no attention to the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, please, I, I, really, I, really, I really feel my mandate in this season is to drive away superstition. So I really want to balance this message. I'm not talking about being that weird person who's like, oh, oh, God, God I'm channeling the Spirit in this moment. Like, don't be that person, please. I'm talking about being real. I'm talking about having him with you, and, and you, you go somewhere, and, and you can minister to a person right in the middle of their chaos and write what they needed to hear right at the very right time. God can position you in places like that because you walk with the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about friendship with him. But you see, it, until you learn to slow down, you won't hear him. You have to, this isn't even what I was going to speak. I had a whole different sermon. I know that sounds cliche, but I, I really did. This isn't even the, the, the whole structure of it's off now. But this is where I sense the Lord really pushing me tonight. Is that you have to learn to slow down. You say, I'm too busy. Well, then cut some things out. Cut some things out. I'm learning in this season and it's been one of the most liberating things I'm learning in this season. You want to know what it is? I'm learning to just say no. Did you hear what I said? You'd be liberated if you could learn to just say no. To a bunch of things. Birthday party, no. 
I love that I have a daughter now. Oh, she's tired. We have to, we have to get going. <laughs> we can't. She's not, she's not really feeling, you know, lately she's been fussy. And then the, it, it's great. That's one of them. You know, you can use it. But, but anyway, you have to learn to say no. No to the demands. If, if you're too busy to pray and seek the face of Jesus daily, you're too busy. Period. If you're too busy to walk in this fellowship with the Holy Spirit, then you're too busy. There's nothing that, that compares. I don't, I don't want to hurt him. You know, when we're rushed, we hurt him. How would you like it? If, if, if someone you loved, who you were constantly around, who, who you constantly gave your attention, who you constantly guided, were constantly there for, never said a word to you. Never considered your feelings. Never, even guys, guys, we have feelings. Admit it. You can call them he-motions if you want, but they're, but they're there. That's a Bishop T.D. Jake sermon. Yeah. It, I don't know what it means. It's just a phrase. But how many of us really consider the Holy Spirit's feelings? How many of us really take the time to ask is the way I'm living honoring the Holy Spirit. And we don't want to grieve Him. We don't want to hurt Him. You know, He actually hurts when you say certain things. You know, He actually hurts when you do certain things. I remember one time, I was sitting in the car with one of our, our top donors. This guy's a multimillionaire. He's one of our six-figure givers. He's, like, he's got like the pin, and the, he's high up there, right? He's... He's, he's, he's one of our high donors. Every, if you're building a ministry, every ministry needs that. It's their key to a ministry growth. And so he's one of our high donors. And I'm sitting in the car with him. I'm telling you, this guy has sown seeds that are transformational. Like he'll sow a seed and suddenly we're in a whole new season of life. That's the kind of giving this guy did. So I recognize that God uses this man. And I was honoring him for it. But I'm sitting in the car with this guy. And suddenly I get a call from my office. My brother calls me. He says, hey, I got to tell you something. Something really weird just happened here at the office. And I was like, what do you mean? Well, somebody called and it was a really weird conversation. And for my brother to tell me he had a really weird conversation means it had to be really weird because we got a lot of people calling in with a lot of really weird things. <laughs> like, like he gets calls, Michael, I'm scared of angels. Please have your brother pray. Like, I don't even know where to begin addressing that. Like, that's an odd thing to, to call for. But we have all these different calls and all these different things that people um, address. And so this guy calls my brother. My brother says, this is how the conversation went down. My brother answers. And the, guy's, the guy offers to make a very large donation. Not the guy I'm sitting with. This is a totally different guy. But I'm sitting in the car with the high donor, listening to my brother tell me this story. And he's telling me, Diga, this guy called. He said he, he wants to give us a donation. But then he made this really racist remark. And I didn't laugh at it. My brother says, I didn't laugh at that joke. And he caught on to that. He got really upset with me. And he was trying to get me to kind of go along with that kind of joking. Like, oh, it's no big deal. My brother wouldn't do it. And here's what the guy said to my brother. Okay, this is what he says to him. He says, you must be stupid, stupid, stupid. He says, do you realize what I could give to your organization? My brother, as he should have, basically just hung up on him. 
So my brother then calls me and says, here's what happened. This guy was offering all this money. I said, well, Michael, you did the right thing. Um, And I'm like, well, let it go. So I hang up, and I begin to tell the guy I'm sitting in the car with the story. And then I said this jokingly now, jokingly. I said to him, it's okay, though. We have you as our source. (laughs) And the Holy Spirit became furious with me. This is what he said. He said, he is not your source. I am. And he was grieved. It was so intense in the car. The guy next to me goes, did you feel that? I said, yep. I said, I just grieved the Holy Spirit. He did not like that. And in fact, I don't remember whether it was days or hours or what, but I remember that sense of that conviction just lingering. And I just kept apologizing, Holy Spirit, I'm sorry, until it finally lifted and I felt free from it. But he actually has feelings that we can hurt. I'm going to close with this thought. You know, are you receiving this evening? I'll be honest with you. I'm, (laughs) I'll be honest with you. I am exhausted, so today's a little more of a mellow sermon. But, um, but I remember thinking about this, about how the, the Holy Spirit really works in our everyday lives and how much I appreciate him and honor him. And I just thought about all the ways he guided me and all the ways he, he was there for me. And I started thinking about the different things that I'm not afraid of anymore. Because, you know, when, when, I was at, when I was just getting to know about demons and casting them out, I was kind of freaked out of demons. It could be scary. I one time saw a girl, she, she fell to the ground, started slithering like a snake on the floor. And that was the youth leader. It was, it was at a church in the Midwest. I've seen, in fact, I saw one manifestation that was so intense that every time the girl would scream the whole power in the building would surge, like in the movies, yes. I've seen really small people all of a sudden have this strength that they shouldn't have. But you know, I, after doing this a while, I really am not afraid of demons anymore. Now, if you're not living right, you should be, because they'll get you. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but if you're walking with the Lord... You're walking with the Lord. You really don't have anything to be afraid of. You know, greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. And I have the Holy Spirit, so I'm not, I'm not afraid of demons. I've had, I've had guys tell me who are in the ministry today that I cast out demons of. I cast demons out of them. They went, they got saved, and they're in the ministry now. They tell their testimonies all the time. But one of the guys who uh, I cast the devil out of, he said when he first met me, he wanted to kill me. And he said, I literally felt like a rage coming up, and I wanted to kill you. It freaked me out when he told me that. This is the same guy. Rob, I think you were there. Where's Rabbi Rob? I think you were there. He tried to hit me, and he couldn't hit me. Drove the devil out of him. He's in the ministry today. But that was kind of scary. But not anymore, honestly. Not anymore. If they're really demon-possessed, they don't really scare me. I'm not afraid of demons. Nor am I afraid of people. I've had people, you know, I read this amazing quote the other day. I wish, I hope I'm not going to butcher it. It says that criticism is the underachiever's way of complimenting himself. I thought that was brilliant. And you don't know, I don't know how many people just constantly watch me and look for little ways to criticize. And well, actually, and actually what you said, or I don't agree with, and just, and I thought, ah, I used to be afraid of that people's opinions, 
You guys have heard me tell the story. I went to a conference one time, and I said, I'm going to sit in the front row so I can get the word. I'm excited. I have my notepad, my Bible. I was ready to receive. Some pastor comes up to me and says, look at you. You think now that you're all popular, you get to sit on the front row. So the next night I went back to the conference. I sat way up in the top so, so that no one could see me. I wouldn't have a good seat. I'll just sit humbly in, in, in sackcloth and ash, and I'll just I'll fast, and I'll sit over here. You know, and I thought I'd sit way up there. And then someone, a, a different pastor comes and he says, oh, look at you. You think just because you're on TV and popular, you've got to be hide in the back just in case people recognize you. And I realized you can't please people. You're not going to do it. And so, so I'm not really, I'm not really afraid. I, I've come to this place, like, what can people do to me? Like, honestly, what can they do? But, but, but I'm not afraid of demons. I'm not afraid of people. I have a healthy fear of people I love, and, and, and I'll take correction from people I love. But I thought, okay, what, what, what am I afraid of? What, what scares me? We, the Christian isn't afraid of death. Death is just the step into the next place. I'm a, maybe a little afraid of the pain that leads up to the death, but other than that, like the actual concept of me dying and going to another place doesn't really, it's not really that scary anymore. I'll tell you what I'm afraid of. I'm not afraid of demons. I'm not afraid of people. I'm not afraid of death. I'm afraid of grieving the Holy Spirit. I'm afraid of hurting him. I'm afraid of his presence and power lifting from off of me. If that ever lifts off my life, where do I go? (laughs) What do I do? What could you possibly do after that? I don't want to grieve him. I want, I want to live a life in such a way that, that, that I honor him every moment. Do you want that? If you want that, come down here now. And don't grieve him by ignoring him. He's calling you up here. Put your pride aside and come up here. The Holy Spirit wants to touch you. He wants to speak to you. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.